he said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others I speak in parables, so that those seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and when the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produces, produce a crop. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Andy. I thought my wife's voice had uh, broken or changed somewhat. Huh? <laughs> An excited little boy was telling his daddy when he came in from work something that had happened to him during the day. His daddy said, slow up, son, you're talking too fast. His son replied, oh no, daddy, I'm not talking too fast, you're just listening too slowly. <laughs> I find it's actually quite difficult to listen to someone who speaks fast, let alone those who mumble. I have to process what I'm hearing and hope that I've heard it properly and when I don't it causes some amusement and indeed sometimes frustration. John Simpson, the BBC, um, what do you call him? Well, you know, John Simpson who works for the BBC, said that blindness evokes sympathy whereas deafness provokes frustration and sometimes anger. Yeah, I can, I can sympathise with that. Are you listening? That was really the theme of the reading, the second reading. Are you listening? Are you listening to what God says? One of the basic claims that we have as Christians is that God wants a relationship with us through Jesus Christ, and the fact of our salvation is based on that relationship and all that Christ has done for us through his death on the cross. But we can't have a relationship with someone without communication. In order to have a relationship with someone, we must speak to them, we must listen to them, and they must speak and listen to us as well. Are you listening? It pays to listen to the right person at the right time and for the right length of time. When Napoleon was making plans to invade England, he was told an American wanted to see him. I can give him two minutes, Napoleon said but two minutes wasn't long enough to understand the revolutionary idea of a ship propelled by steam. 
had Napoleon listened longer to Robert Fulton, the history of the world may have been different from what we know it today. Are you listening? Sometimes it pays to listen for a long time, especially when it comes to listening to the word of God as it's proclaimed through sermons and in reading of his word. And in the New Testament reading in the parable of the sower, Jesus speaks about four kinds of different hearers or listeners. And it's the only parable as far as I can think off the top of my head, which Jesus actually explains to his disciples. Twice, in chapter 8, verse 8, and in chapter 8, verse 18, which wasn't read to us, Jesus tells the people to listen. He who has ears to hear, let him hear or listen, depending on the translation that you're following. Therefore, consider carefully, Jesus says, how you listen. How we listen to God's word and how we respond to it is extremely important. If we don't hear when another person is speaking to us, we'll not be able to communicate with them. And there are four ways to listen described in the parable, as Jesus explained it. But before we look at them, let's just look at the context of this parable story in the arrangement of Dr. Luke's Gospel. Look back with me at chapter 7, verse 22, which describes the good news of the Gospel having been preached to the poor. Not the poor in an economic sense, that's another issue, but it refers to those who, in the eyes of Jesus' contemporaries, have no resources to meet their needs because they'd no claim on God. So Luke includes in chapter 7 three accounts of people who actually listened to the good news of the gospel of the kingdom and responded to it in faith and commitment. So in the first ten verses, there's a story of the centurion who responds to the message of the kingdom. He was a mere Gentile outside the kingdom of God. There was the widow whose son was raised. She was a mere woman. And then there was the woman at the party, a mere sinner. She was a woman as well, but she was a sinner also. These three were outside the kingdom in the eyes of the contemporary onlookers. And they were regarded as being outside the circle of privilege to receive the message of God's kingdom. But Luke wants us to understand that because they listened to the message of the kingdom of God, they were able to receive God's grace and mercy and become members of his kingdom. And if the chorus had been written in those days, they would be able to sing, thank you for saving me. There are just three examples of wise people who listened and responded. But Jesus knew in reality that in his ministry, not all would respond to the seed of God's word that he was proclaiming. So if you look at Luke chapter 8, verse 10, Jesus said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, the disciples, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing, they may not see, though hearing, they may not understand. And they appear harsh words at first sight, but they're not expressing any desire that people shouldn't understand just the reality that people don't always understand and don't always respond. And they're simply stating the sad truth that not everyone responds to the message of Jesus over a lifetime of hearing the message of the gospel. As a result, 
the truth is hidden from them, and they're judged accordingly, as the fuller version of Isaiah's passage used in Matthew's account of the parable states. So if listening to the message of salvation doesn't bring a response of, of faith, it causes hardness of heart and God acts. These words serve as a severe warning of the seriousness of rejecting the message of Jesus. God had already spoken in the past of hard hearts, particularly in Psalm 95. He says to the people of Israel today, if only you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the wilderness when your ancestors tested me. They tried me, even though they'd seen what I'd done, they still weren't prepared to listen and their hearts became hard and they suffered as a result of their hardness of heart. As we've seen in that verse, the parables were spoken to the disciples. The word to you is emphatic, they're for your benefit. But there were other listeners too, for whom they just remained stories because they hadn't the eye of faith or the ability to listen, to think through what the parable was saying. So the parable is a gift from God and their faith would unlock them, unlocking the secrets of the mystery of the kingdom of heaven. And before Jesus ever tells us about the types of listeners, he lets us know that the seed is the word of God. It's interesting that the seed is scattered to all, as it was in the service this morning, without discrimination, even up on the balcony as well. The sower doesn't scatter only on the ground that looks promising or productive. The seed is scattered everywhere on all the ground. And the seed, therefore, doesn't d determine the outcome. The conditions of the soil, the human heart, determines the outcome of what will happen to the seed of the Word of God. So let's look at the four ways people listen and respond to the Word of God. There's the unresponsive listener. Some people simply don't listen at all. You know when we're talking to people that people aren't really listening. They're looking beyond you. Their eyes are all over the place. And if you were to stop and ask them where you are in the story, they wouldn't be able to tell you because they're not concentrating. A famous politician got tired of smiling a big smile and saying the usual things when greeting people at functions where he was required to be the guest of honour. So one evening he decided to find out indeed whether anyone was listening or paying attention to what he was saying. So as each person came up to him and extended his hand, he smiled at them and said, I murdered my grandmother this morning. <laughs> and people would respond, oh, that's nice. <laughs> How lovely. Or just continue the good work you're doing. Nobody seemed to be listening to what he was saying except one foreign diplomat. And when the politician said, I murdered my grandmother this morning, the diplomat responded softly, I'm sure she had it coming to her. <laughs> People are unresponsive to the word of God. They're hardened to the gospel because they can't grasp or fathom the fact that God in his love reached out into the world through Jesus and allowed his son to die for us. They can't grasp that fact 
and say, well, it's simply not for me, I'm okay. And Satan snatches any little bit that was sown in that person's heart before it can start to grow and bear fruit. There are some things that some people just don't seem to understand in life. Have you ever tried explaining the scoring system in tennis to someone who doesn't understand it? It's very hard. If you try to explain leg before wickets in cricket to an American visitor, it's mind-boggling. But it is as important as understanding the basics of the essentials of the gospel. And Paul, in writing to the Christians in Colossae, said this, Pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly. We have to be those who are prepared to share the message of the gospel in ways that people can understand. I, last Sunday we visited a church um, where the minister solemnly said at the beginning of the service, let's prepare ourselves to celebrate the holy mysteries. I have to say, after the service, the service was a complete mystery, let alone a holy mystery, because it was so obscure and difficult to access. Even I, as someone who knew, knew what was going on, found it extremely difficult. And then his sermon, well, that was beyond belief. It was, <laughs> it was all about the truth, and everyone has the truth themselves, and really you make it up as you go along. So I, I had words with him about it afterwards, so I had to say... In order to keep Satan from stealing what's been sown in people's hearts and minds, we must make the message of the gospel of Christ as clear and as interesting as possible. Some people don't listen. Some do. And even for those of us who are mature Christians, there are times when our minds are closed, when we harden our hearts to what God is saying to us. We're unwilling to listen. We just want to, don't want to hear what God is saying to us because it's too uncomfortable. What causes us to have a closed mind? Well, there are three reasons I've, I've just thought of. One is pride, when we think, well, I don't really need God in this situation. I can do it on my own. I can resolve it for myself. Perhaps we're in a situation which we know is wrong, but we don't want God's help. We'll try to solve it. And all these ideas really are pride. Keep us from hearing what God wants to say to us because we're not listening to him. Then there's bitterness. When we've been hurt, we have a choice. We can become bitter, or we can overcome that bitterness with God's help. And when the person chooses bitterness, and the person becomes even more bitter, and they stop listening, and people stop visiting them. When we get hurt, we build walls around us. We try to hide in our shells. No one will ever hurt me again. I won't allow it to happen. But it's part of life. We do get hurt from time to time. How we deal with it is extremely important. We need to listen to the voice of God to allow us to overcome the bitterness that we feel. Bitterness doesn't make us better. And one thing that God's servant Job never did was to turn his back on God in spite of everything that he'd experienced. He was always ready to hear God speak. He was always ready to listen to God. Then perhaps there's lack of understanding. Some people don't listen, and they don't know that God wants them to come and listen to him. I have to say that in baptism preparation, this is often the case, because 
The family are so focused on the event and the party afterwards that they don't really listen to what baptism really means and the responsibilities that they're taking on as parents and godparents. But God wants to speak to us. He wants our attention. He wants to talk, us to talk to him and he wants to talk to us. God wants to communicate with us. And a big part of communication is listening. Psalm 25, verse 8 says this, He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. How do we know what's right? By listening to what God is saying to us, by being humble and being teachable. And the only way we're teachable is by listening to the teacher himself. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. There are those who hear the gospel message but couldn't care less. And Jesus recognized that in telling this parable. Secondly, there's the impulsive listener, verse 13. The impulsive listener doesn't have any staying power. They're quick to believe, to receive, and to rejoice. But they don't stay within the community, and more importantly, don't have a, a deep relationship with Christ. We may know the kind of people who start uh, a jogging uh, routine or go to a health club uh, because it seems something that's beneficial, but after a short time they quit. Why? Because the excitement has worn off, the going got tough, they've experienced muscle pain or leg aches or shin splints. And what people have done with sports, they may do with jobs sometimes too, but they've also done it with Christ and his church. Why don't they stick with it? Is it their fault or ours? Well, part of it, I would suggest, is our fault. How? It depends on how much we help those who are new to faith, how much we love them and support them. A missionary wrote, I'm quite sure that I would not have survived as a young Christian had I not had the corporate life of the church to hold me up. When I rejoiced, they rejoiced with me. When I wept, they wept with me. When I was weak, they strengthened me. And when I fell, they gathered round me with love and prayer, without blame or censure, and they lovingly lifted me back to my feet again. That's it, isn't it? That's one key to the survival for Christians. We must love each other even in our failures. We have to support, encourage, help each other, and pray for each other. But we realize from experience that some people can't be helped because they don't want to be helped. And it's possible to see these kinds of people within the church communities that exist around the world. Generally, after a period of time, they'll stop coming and it seems as though no one can help them but God alone. Consequently, some don't remain faithful. When the going gets tough, they get going in the wrong direction. Whether they find life tough, and it, it is, or the Christian life tough, and it is, they just drop out. Such is the impulsive listener who responds enthusiastically but doesn't count the cost of taking up their cross to follow Christ daily. Thirdly, there's the listener who's preoccupied. The seed we're told fell among thorns, stands for those who hear, 
but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they don't mature. Some people listen to the message of the kingdom, and over time, it becomes less important to them. The problem is that the listener is unwilling to sever themselves from the world's standards. They live a double life, trying to live for Christ while living by the world's standards. They may show early signs of the fruit of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit is never allowed to mature in their life. The preoccupied listener clutters their lives with things of this world. Our minds are crowded with other thoughts. It's a preoccupied mind. We're distracted. We're concerned with daily living, with worries, plans, goals, ambitions, bills, all kinds of things. What does worry do for us? We can't listen to, to God and worry at the same time. The word for worry literally means to be pulled in different directions. Have you ever felt that you are pulled in different directions with the anxieties that are happening in your life? We're not going in the right direction when we're preoccupied and distracted, and that's worry. Some people can be preoccupied with money, either the lack of it or what to do with it. Is there enough to go round, or what should I do with all God's riches that he's given me? If I have it, how do I keep it? How do I spend it? If you don't have it, how do I make it? Or how do I seek to make the money go round? Our minds can be filled with issues relating to money. And you know Jesus talked about more about money than he did about the kingdom of heaven. That's because people think about it a lot. And then there's busyness. We're so busy making a living that we don't really live. The pressures of those in work are enormous and expectations on them are immense, even more so in today's world and the pressures that there are on, on working people. And we keep so busy that we don't have time to relax. We get up in the morning and we run to stay, stand still. We're exhausted when we go to bed. We wake up the next day to do it all over again. And God gets what's left in life, which can sometimes be precious little. We're so occupied with doing that we forget God. And if he gets a look in, sometimes we can't be bothered. And we just don't listen, and God gets crowded out. If you ask the average person what they're interested in and, what they, and listen to what they say, they, they don't talk about God, they don't talk about Christ, they don't talk about the church, they will talk about sport, movies, hobbies, cars, you name it. And there are tremendous pressures on people today in our society. Not only are the shops open all day, well, they might be open all day on Sundays, but there are other pressures. Children and adults now play sport on Sunday with the pressures that brings for Christian parents who want to be in church, but also supportive of their children. And things have become very complicated and difficult, to say the least. But we have to try, with God's help, not to allow the desires, the pressures, the riches, 
the dubious pleasures of this life to overwhelm us. Opportunities for pleasure and pastimes can choke out the most important part of our life every time if we allow them. The idea that we must be like everyone else, otherwise they'll think we're, we'll be dif we're different, isn't something that's true for us as Christians. Living in the world, we must avoid living by the world's standards in spite of the costs. And finally, we come to the responsive listeners. Some people listen and hear. The responsive listener hears the word, understands it, and bears fruit. And the gauge of a good sermon isn't when a person leaves church saying, what a good sermon, but I'll do something about what I've heard. That's the responsive listener. And James, when he was writing his letter, said this, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they'll be blessed in what they do. So a responsive listener sees themselves in the mirror of God's word, and they don't always like what they see. Consequently, they do something to change that image. They believe and obey the word of God. They allow God's word to bear fruit in their lives. And the parable, as I said, is a reflection of the responses Jesus experienced in his ministry. But it's a parable that helps us to face up to where we stand in relation to listening to the voice of God. Are we responsive listeners who listen who understand and seek to bear fruit. Do we hear him? Are we indeed listening to him? Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they will follow me. It pays dividends to listen to the word of the Lord, to learn from him, whether through a sermon or Christian radio or TV programs or through our own personal reading of God's word. So let's just ask ourselves whether we're members of the church in our own corner of, of activity here at St. Jude's. Are we producing the fruit of the Spirit in our lives? Are we a person in wider ministry producing the fruit as we listen to God's Word? Are you as a person in responsible leadership producing fruit? What's that fruit? Paul speaks about it in Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And as I've said before, all the qualities that I bear when I'm asleep. Perseverance enables the fruit of the Spirit to be produced. And that's what Jesus is saying about good listeners. They'll persevere. So what voice are we listening to today? A boy brought up in the country visited his cousin in the city. It was midday, the roads were very busy, and there was a deafening sound of people talking and traffic moving. And the boy from the country said, listen, he said, I can hear a cricket. His cousin said, you have to be joking, you can't hear a cricket amidst all this noise. And the country boy listened again and said, 
Yes, I'm sure I hear a cricket. And the two boys listened very carefully for a moment. And then the country boy walked across the road to a derelict site where there were some bushes. And he looked at the bushes, and sure enough, there was a cricket. That's incredible, said the city boy. You must have superhuman ears. No, said the country boy. My ears are no different from yours. It all depends on what you're listening for. What are we listening for as we listen to God's voice? I hope we listen to God's voice. God wants to speak to us. Are we listening? What we hear is the challenge of the gospel to give our lives fully to Christ. How are we listening? Which group of listeners are we in? We need to hear simply and sincerely and surrender our all to him. Jesus urges his hearers to be careful how they listen because the stakes are high. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Amen.